Join the membership, buymeacoffee.com slash mattreport. Buy me a virtual coffee. It's a great way to support the show. Another great way to support the show, mattreport.com slash inmotion. Inmotion empowers you to build and grow websites with all the essential tools you need, featuring hyper-fast performance stacks from the only web host powered by UltraStack, complete with 99.99% uptime, free SSL, one-click application installs, and a free domain for a year. Rest assured, knowing that your website is secure and managed by friendly 24-7 human support, go even further with their managed WordPress hosting. All plans are fine-tuned to deliver superior performance, security, and scalability. Build and launch WordPress sites at record time with their free page builder and professional themes, or transfer an existing one with free migration tools. Start your next WordPress website at mattreport.com slash inmotion and experience hyper-fast load times and unparalleled performance. You'll get free lifetime SSL certificates, automatic backups, and unlimited bandwidth. Visit mattreport.com slash inmotion, mattreport.com slash inmotion for your free web hosting consultation today. Support them because they support me. Mattreport.com slash inmotion. Sociallinkpages.com. That's what we were just talking about. Sociallinkpages.com. Terrible name. Uh, great we product. Hit, great for SEO, I'd say. Yes. It's just uh, two L's in a domain and... <laughs> And it's it's a little <laughs> yeah. it's a little too on the nose. It's anyway. Yeah. But talk to me about this game. I don't know if I missed this in a twi- in a in a Twitter DMs or Slack convos that we've had. I didn't know you were doing a game. So game. Right. Tell me about this. Yeah. So there's a IRL game, an actual domino game that people play called Mexican Train that exists in the real world. It's especially popular in retirement communities. And it's a game that my wife's family plays a lot. And then my parents at a at a retirement community found out that we played it and were like, oh yeah, we play it all the time with our friends too. And it just it's a it's an easy, fun domino based game that that you can chat and have a drink while you're while you're playing. Like it's it it doesn't take a lot of strategy. Anyway then the pandemic hit, and my wife, who should know better than to throw ideas at me because she knows I will take them and run with it, was like, oh, well, now that we're all in lockdown, boy, I wish there was an online version of Mexican Train. Oh God. And the camera pans across the living room. You put the wine glass down and the idea bubble pops up. Oh, God. Yeah. And and two weeks later, <laughs> the damn thing was yeah. built. And for better or worse, I, I found the domain MexicanTrain.online, which again, couldn't be more on the nose. But what was really fun was it took off and really scratched an itch for a lot of people who loved playing Mexican Train with their friends, especially older folks. And so it was good timing. I built it because of the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, a lot of folks, especially older folks with health concerns and and whatnot, were really in lockdown and missed playing Mexican train with their friends found it online. A lot of the retirement communities have like a Facebook group and whatever. And so it spread and spread and spread. And it was arguably the most successful product that I've built. And, <laughs> and initially I, I slapped some ads on it, but it just wasn't gonna, it, it detracted from the game experience and I was never going to see enough revenue to justify ruining the game with ads, frankly. So I don't remember where the suggestion came from, but somebody was like, just ask for donations. And people have been really, really generous and continue to be generous. 
And so the I have a little donation powered <laughs> online game that continues to chug away, pun intended, and that I and and it the the amount of feedback that I get from people who play still um, who are either still isolating or are just isolated due to circumstance or who are like a lot of people were playing in person and then people moved and so now they can play together online and that kind of thing so it's just turned into this amazing experience and again one of my more popular products and totally outside of my wheelhouse it was all just a coincidence yeah and sort of what we were just saying before it's like one day you wake up people are just using the damn thing right (laughs) (laughs) you think back to again i'll use myself i think back to the days of conductor like oh my god do a product research i'm talking to all these people i'm doing wireframes and thinking about all these ideas maybe you same thing with your old plugins and then all of a sudden one day you're just like a thousand people use my plugin now a thousand people just signed up for (laughs) mexicantrain.online like what i didn't even think about these things they just worked yeah and, and i think the the lesson that i take from it is I I scratched my own itch. I'm that kind of developer. I don't think, I don't do nearly the research I should. I don't think it through nearly as much as I should. I love building products. Like I often say that I am a, a product developer. I am a CTO. I'm, I'm not a CEO. I just never can seem to find the person to partner with who will be the marketing guy or be the sales guy or girl, obviously. The, the, the person that would fill out Corey as a team. And so my mm. experience has been this, where I, I scratch my own itch. I I need my own little social pages. And so I build a plugin that does that. Or my family wants to play Mexican Train, because, but we are in isolation. And so now we can. And I think that that, that comes through. Like that's, that's why I think I'm seeing the little bit of success with my products that I am. You know, and then I'm sure <laughs> out of the corner of your eye, you're looking at like the Wordle acquisition, <laughs> which a game I've never played, but I, but I've I've seen it. How this person, I don't even I don't even know the real specifics. They created it, it took off, and people I think they bought it for like a million bucks or something like that. I don't know yeah. what the acquisition price. Was. I don't either, but a big deal. <laughs> and you probably you, and you probably don't want to know, right? Right, because <laughs> you're like, ah, maybe somebody won't look at this. That that's really awesome though. That that you can put donations in front of that. And I think that's a real thing. And a thing that we're going to, we collectively, the entire product community might start moving towards where maybe years ago you were like, donations on like a piece of software, or in this case, a game, like, are you crazy? And you have a market that's flooded with tons and tons of options, and you're either going to pick one that you're going to pay for, or you're going to pick one that's going to be diluted in ads. But now it's you're going to pick one that that you can just exchange some money in. And as people are spending money in the browser more, Apple Pay, it's easier to make these transactions. It, it's a real thing. Yeah, I it's think. it's very uncool, right? It's very unstartupy. You can't count on donations. You have to ask for donations. Look at NPR having to beg for money twice a year on NPR Mm. and public television. The WP Minute, I'm begging for money all the time. Yeah, exactly. And and so it's, I am again, thankfully in a position where when I, when I built it, I had the resources to, to put a little bit of my own money and a lot of my own time into it because it became a, a nights and weekends passion project. And then asking for donations, people were generous. And so it, it doesn't make me a lot of money, but it still bops along paying for itself. And at this point, like I go in and fix the occasional bug, but I don't 
I don't have to do much with it. But all of these things are, again, not not startupy, not silicon sexy, not conventional. But I do think that there's something to be said for exploring what's in front of you and not adhering to expectations and getting back to the point that we were making in earlier, which is looking at what you actually want and your own work-life balance and how things fit into your own schedule. And and then, yeah, with in the age of Patreon and, and other services that encourage, at this point, no musician can make money off of music because of Spotify paying way too small percentages and touring only now starting to, to get ramped back up and whatnot. It's like you've, you've got to look for other avenues that sometimes are things like donations or fun alternative ways to, to bring in revenue if you need it or want it. Mm, it's big in the, in the podcasting space. There's, there's this, what's funny is like I, I recently published, well, not me, Brian Cords published it on my website, the WPMinute.com, about the WordPress middle class and, and where is it going to go. I talked about this probably five years ago when I made the original post, uh, the blue collar digital worker, and questioning like where where that middle ground of worker goes. Very similarly in the podcasting space, now that I do that for my for my day job at, at Castos, just looking at the the same thing happening in the podcast creator space, probably just like the mu- the musician space, is where's the middle class of, of podcasters? Because it's either you have to have a show with hundreds of thousands of downloads to make some money, or anything below that, you make nothing at all, nobody wants to look at you, or your celebrity status, right? You're the Obamas who have the luxury of saying, yeah, you know what, Spotify, we don't need you anymore, we're gonna go to Audible, they're gonna pay us 100 million bucks. Right. So there is no middle ground, so a lot of people are thinking, how do we monetize a show? Is it donations? Is it merch? Is it all the things? And unfortunately, it has to be all the things, which makes us say in the podcasting space, if you want to run a, a show that makes you money, you got to think like a business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Do you think that's a, like, how do you think of that as like a musician and a product builder yourself? Like you're in this unique intersection of that thought. Yeah, I, frankly, by giving up, I do better. I, I, I used to think of music for me as a second career. And when I didn't succeed at a certain point, it utterly broke my heart. And I actually had to stop Mm. making music and stop being involved in music for a number of years in order to recover. It was like a breakup because I had, I had tied it closely to my identity and a bunch of other stuff. And so in fact, when I think this is relevant, when I looked at getting back into music, I said, I wanted to start producing again. I wanted to start DJing again. My wife sat me down for a pretty serious talk and was like, so how are we going to approach this so that it doesn't break your heart again? And Mm. sort of the outcome of that was, I said, I really only see this as a hobby. And, And there are successes. And some of those successes might include money, but I'm no longer, I had to consciously separate it from my identity, how I think of myself as cool, an aspiring rock star and whatnot. And so it's, 
it's just fun. And in fact, I just got back from two, two weeks in England because I make dance music. And so most of my music is is based in the UK. And so I, while there, I met a bunch of friends, internet friends who I'd never met in real life. And we hung out and played music for each other. And it was great fun. And we talked about how we were going to continue to promote our music and try to be successful, whatever that means. But I then I come back and I go back to work and it it fades back into being a nights and weekends sort of thing. And yeah. so I think too, I had to do the same sort of thing with product. When I was in New York, when I was working at WeWork, when I was surrounded by aspiring entrepreneurs, it was very much tied into my identity, going to meetups and trying to sort of play the game. And I saw a lot of other people do this too, where the the product was on, almost incidental. And I remember in particular, there were, in WeWork, uh, there were these this group of guys that never really worked on product. They just kind of hung out and like played pinball and drank the beer and went to the meetups and talked the talk because they just, it was kind of cool to be, to say you were an entrepreneur who worked at WeWork kind of thing. And so I think disconnecting that from from your identity and and setting your own priorities, if, if you want to hustle, if you have the the luxury of, of putting your all and just eating ramen is the the image that, that people often allude to, go for it. But at some point, if that doesn't work for you anymore, figuring out how it does then fit into your life, uh, I think is crucial. I was trying to get to that summary, or I was trying to summarize what you just said earlier in this interview, where I, I look at this stuff as as chapters now. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had to, I grew up in the car industry, right? So I grew up in sales. Right. I grew up like super introverted. I, I was sort of thrust into the into the car business, and I had to like sort of learn my the, learn my way through it. I was very shy growing up, et cetera, et cetera. But getting into sales and growing businesses like obviously changes the whole thing because you have to survive <laughs> right? Right. As, a, as a as a sale, as a car salesperson. And I, what I looked at it is like rejection in business and car sales. To me, I, I just like I'm going. This is just the game. Mm. Like I'm going in. Like I can't take this stuff personally. I'm just playing a game and it's people, it's a numbers game. It's some, it's a certain percentage of people are going to say yes or no. I can't like literally people back then, this is like pre consumer internet. This is before like the, the buyers were educated to prices and you didn't have this online competition like you have now. So, but you'd have people coming in that were like literally just total jerks to you yeah. because they thought that's what it was going to be like. So you had people who were just like, I don't want to like yell at you. I don't want to talk to you. Like, geez, man, I, I'm just, I just want to say, hey, welcome to the dealership. That's all I want to say. Right. And, right? and by um, the way, that's my job. Like, so. Right. And by the way, <laughs> that's my job, right? So like I had to get myself into the mindset of this is just, this is just the game that I'm playing, mm. which sort of helps level, uh, for a lack of a better pun, like level the playing field in my head so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it so bad. And then when I started running my agency, I had to do it. I had to think of it the same way for for every angle of the business, right? So new customers, customers getting angry, customers being upset, getting small jobs versus the $50,000 jobs, employees come and go. Like I had to then train myself, and this might sound kind of cold, is to not get attached to mm. one thing, yep. but just get attached to the game. Otherwise, and the big thing for me was losing employees, right? 
like just like you being committed to a product, committed to an idea, it's part of my identity. I would do the same thing with 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 people that I hired. I'd be like, man, you're just like fam. Like immediately, you walk through the door day one. You're you're family, right? right? Because because mentally, that's what I want. But then they'd leave in like six months. They get a better job, whatever. They move away because you know we hired a lot from colleges, the local colleges. So I had to like put myself into the the mode of this is just a game, and these are just little chapter markers along the way. And I do this with everything now, my podcasts, my products, everything. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but it's how I deal with the emotion, the emotional side of it. Cause like you, I get attached to things. That was a long soapbox therapeutic mo- moment for me. <laughs> so that's I great. appreciate that's great. Uh, you listening. I learned the you same listening. thing with going from being CEO, even if it was just me, CEO and janitor is the joke, right? Like you're, you're everything when you're a, a one-person studio, or one-person agency, one-person service. Um, at one point, I got hired as a senior developer, the first senior developer at a startup. And previously, they'd had one developer. And so they, so let me back up. A team of three, a sales guy, a vision guy, like CEO, and a developer went through an incubator, built a little app, and, and won some funding. And so I was one of the first hires, and on my second day, the the developer, i.e. the de, the de facto CTO, because he was quote unquote the tech guy, right, gave notice, and so they just again, like you said, the slow pan across the room to me was just like, <laughs> "Hey, Corey, I guess you're the CTO now," and I was like, yeah. "Huh, okay," and but I I actually found that to be very freeing, not in the context of the startup, but my role of, I am not ultimately responsible for the comings and goings, the hirings and firings, the, but my wheelhouse and my strength is tech. And so I, I get to make a lot of the decisions and, and I'm a decent team leader. And so I was proud of how I led the team, but ultimately it didn't all come down to me. And that's actually where I find myself now, coincidentally with the, one of my primary clients, I've just sort of become the de facto I'm acting as CTO essentially, but ultimately it doesn't all actually fall on my shoulders, which is a huge relief. I don't love that the phone rings at two in the morning when the website goes down because that is my responsibility. But ultimately the paychecks getting paid or not paid is not my problem. Um, you know, so I, I kind of get the, the best of both worlds right now where I, I get to feel very involved. I get a real sense of ownership. I feel like I'm helping to steer a ship, but ultimately I don't own the, also own the ship. So I'm not completely tied up in it. My identity, it's not part of my identity. I, at points when it serves me, I can say it's just a job. Yeah. Yeah. So 100%. I think like I, I, I'm at, go ahead. I just, I, so to, to, sort of double down on your point, you have to find that equation that works for you, that trick that works for you, whether it's mental or literal, so that you can sleep at night, so you can take off the the, the emotional coat and hang it at the door, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this is good. First of all, this is going to be a two-part podcast series because <laughs> it's been a while since I've gone up to the hour mark of talking to somebody. So this has been great conversation. I'm curious. I'm going to say like, I have found myself 
considering myself, the work that I do, as foolish as it is, a WordPress podcast, a WordPress news podcast, a YouTube channel, as foolish as it is, I look at this stuff as this is my art. I'm an artist. This is the art that I'm creating. I'm putting it out into the world. That's why I love it and hate it <laughs> at the same time. It's why that any day I could just be like, you know what, Matt Report, delete, put it in the trash. I'm the kind of guy who I record so much video and so much audio, I delete it all. I know people out there that put it all on on on, on storage on on hard drives yeah. and external hard drives. I delete it immediately. It's gone out of my life. I don't want to see it again. I'll never have a use for it, and I don't want to hear it again. That's me. I'm curious what your thoughts are. As do you consider yourself an artist in both the the maybe the music obviously the music world, but what about the product and business world? It's it's a great question, right? And you don't you and I are both of a certain age and certain points in our lives where there's a lot behind us to to look at, to consider. I definitely I've always considered myself an artist. These days I would say more of a craftsman, but a lot of what I do is creative anyway. But I I I hadn't really thought about the the legacy of it. Until I interviewed a guy on, I have a podcast as well for music, and I interviewed a guy who had his own moments of success or fame is not the right word, but popularity within the little genres that, that we exist and on the dance floors in which we exist and our favorite DJs play our music. But if I mentioned any of these names to you or my wife, you'd be like, oh, I've never heard of these people. But so it's these little localized bubbles or localized high points or whatever. But he's he's still making music just like I'm still making music. So let me put this in context. I am a 45-year-old I in New Hampshire, in the woods, and I make dance music that is most popular in nightclubs in London, Bristol, and other cities in England, right? It There's just this... Thanks. And a WordPress plugin and a game on WordPress. Sure. But I, in the context <laughs> of music, I, I, right. I make a thing because, it's, because I'm passionate about it. And I try to be involved in sort of this global community that is largely based in England. And people are like, why? And, and what do you get out of it? And, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, but in interviewing this guy who, again, has had some... He, he has a full-time day job and he's got a wife and family, but he still takes time to like make tunes that his favorite DJs play and nobody else in the world ever hears he he's like i'm creating a legacy and i'm like what are you talking about like this isn't this isn't popular music or you're not writing the great american novel he's british but you know what i mean and he's like sure but this is what i do like this is my personality and my kids and my grandkids are going to hear the music that i made and go huh okay that was part of who he was and i honestly hadn't thought about that in the context of like i make I make dance music. It's not Mozart and it's not amazing novels or award-winning poetry or these things that we often put a lot of weight and emphasis and, and respect on, but it's still, yeah, all part of who I will be. And so it's, it is interesting to, to look at this stuff. You, you, Matt have this unbelievable, 
like I, I you probably don't see it this way but it's like there is an empire there is a mat empire there is a long trail of bodies just kidding but there is a long trail of work <laughs> behind you that speaks to your passion and your intelligence and your interests and the way you interact with people and the the value that you have brought to people and continue to do it like you're not really getting much out of sitting here asking me these questions and then turning around and doing an, a lot of work to put this out there purely for the benefit of other people. And like you said, it would be great if, yeah, this this paid all your bills or bought you luxury cars, but the reality is that it, it, might, it, it might or might not, and it probably won't. Um, right. Using you as an example, right. maybe it does. You were a car salesman, so you'd know where to get luxury cars for cheap. <laughs> but, it's, but, it, but it is part of our legacy and it is part of our... our what makes up our lives day to day and week to week and year to year and the and the chapter we're in. I love that. And yeah. so that definitely plays a part in it now too of like, I'm like, I'm building products that like Mexican train brought an unbelievable, I have a stack of letters. Like one of my goals now is eventually to publish a book. Even if I just do one of the self-publishing for my own benefit kind of thing, like of all the letters, literally physical like, because older people still write letters. They mailed me checks. Like, I could, yeah. I don't think I'd seen a check for two years before I put up the donation <laughs> form. So, do with this thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, I had to figure out how to use my mobile app to take a picture of a check to deposit it because it was also the pandemic. And then more commercially, like, I do have this plugin that is is a more commercial standard commercial play it's a product i i hope people pay for it i I now have this history of things that i've done and stuff that i've produced and i i some of it's art a lot of it's creative but i've i've had fun and it's mostly and it's it's built up overall what i i now will think of that i've done with my life and it also definitely informs my future work. You look at, I just saw a bunch of Monet paintings in the National Gallery in London because yes, I'm a nerd, but I also just hadn't gone to a museum in five years because of the pandemic and uh, and moving and stuff like that. And it was like, you you look at Monet's early work and it's very literal. And by the end of it, it's, it's much more impressionistic. And, it, and you see this arc and you're like, oh, this, this didn't happen like in a week. He didn't start at the beginning of the week, doing clear, some very obvious landscapes and end with doing these vague impressionist paintings of flowers. It's like a lifetime of work and you can, you can apply that to all and everything we do. And I think it, I think it honestly helps and helps with the products that we build and the work that we do of like mistakes that you're not going to make again, things that you want to do and don't want to do to hopefully make better decisions as you go. So there you go. There's my soapbox rant. How about that one? There, and then that is a it's a great soapbox rant to end on. Corey, we covered so much landscape. <laughs> Where do you want folks to go to say thanks? Point, can you point them to a social link page that you actually use? <laughs> well, I think the where I try to drive most people is gelform.com, G-E-L-F-O-R-M.com. That's kind of me as an agency, but also me as the work that I do with links to my products and the services I provide. And, and even I'm, I'm starting to think about building some courses and other things. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, that's a great place to do it. Or Corey Moss, it's just the spelling is tough. C-O-R-E-Y. 
M-A-A-S-S on Twitter is where I talk about startups and, and the work that I do and things like that. So products that I build, that's a great way to reach out to me as well. 